Well, good morning. It is good to be with you. Catherine and I always enjoy when we can get here and uh, opportunity to be able to share the word. Uh, this morning, I, first of all, should I be done what quarter tail somewhere yeah. around there before then? Okay, I'm gonna. I've got some handouts for you. And uh, we are going to explore the subject of God's faithfulness this morning. Okay, Psalm 89 is where we're going to start. So you can turn in your Bibles there if you have one. And uh, we're going to kind of walk our way through, just kind of using Psalm 89 as a backdrop for where I'm going to go, some comments I want to make, uh, kind of preface, and then when we get toward the end, uh, I want to look at some, uh, some principles uh, in the area of God's faithfulness. So, I, I want to start with um, an illustration. Uh, back in 1864, that's a long time ago, there was a song that was written based on Psalm 89, particularly verse 1. Uh, from the King James Bible, uh, so you will know that. And it really deals with God's faithfulness. Uh, the New American Standard Bible says, Psalm 89.1, I will sing of the loving kindness of the Lord forever. To all generations I will make known thy faithfulness with my mouth. Uh, the author is really unknown, but it's been attributed to two brothers, Fred and James Fillmore. Um, at, at the very least, we do know that the tune is attributed to them, these two brothers. Um, and it's quite a catchy tune. As a matter of fact, it, it's, a, it's a song we do not sing very often. And as the story goes, uh, quote, it was forgotten until it was rediscovered in the late 1950s when youth groups, Sunday school classes, and vacation Bible schools started singing it again, unquote. So this song, based on Psalm 89, verse 1, is, is a very old song. You know, it, at the very least, goes back to the 1950s. I remember it because I was born in 55, so it was pretty much becoming popular. And like I say, I, I can probably count on one hand and have a whole lot of fingers left over as to how many churches are actually singing this song. And I have it written down there for you. Uh, perhaps you recognize it. I will sing. Of the mercies of the Lord forever, I will sing, I will sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. With my mouth, I will make known thy faithfulness, thy faithfulness. With my mouth, will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. How many recognize that song? That's because you're old. Oh, you still sing it. You're, you're one of the ones on one hand I can count on. There you go, yeah. Trapped in the 50s. <laughs> That's right. Well, I I love, maybe I'm sticking my neck out on the chopping block here. I do love a number of contemporary music today, especially some of the contemporary hymns that are out today, uh, like the Gettys and Townsend and some of those. I, I really appreciate there's more of an emphasis on rediscovering uh, some good theological uh, hymnology today. Uh, and there's some good courses. You know, I grew up with a number of good, solid courses. Um, and so I, I love this song. We sang it for years. I, um, 
I played uh, the guitar and led worship in many of the churches we pastored, and so this was kind of a standard one uh, that we would we would do. And I love the theology behind it, and I love I love music. It comes straight out of the scripture, and that's pretty much what this one does. Uh, and so this morning, uh, I want to look at kind of a backdrop to God's faithfulness. Um, we'll look at some aspects of His faithfulness and some of His attributes because. You can't get away from that in this particular case. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to particularly read Psalm 89, verses 1 and 2, verse 8, verse 24, 33, and 49. They, they will give us a good, a good idea of this concept. And then we'll, we'll look at some other scriptures. There's going to be a number of scriptures we're going to look at today. We probably won't have time to get all of the scriptures in, but we'll at least handle some. So again, verses 1 and 2, I will sing of the loving kindness of the Lord forever, or his mercy, as uh, the King James says. To all generations I will make known my faithfulness with my mouth. For I have said, loving kindness will be built up forever in the heavens, thou wilt establish thy faithfulness. And then if you just pop down to verse 8, O Lord God of hosts, who is like the Almighty Lord, <laughs> rhetorical question, there is no one like him. And then he adds, thy faithfulness also surrounds thee. So get the image of God's faithfulness all about who he is, okay? And then if you just move over to verse 24, uh, God speaking, and my faithfulness and my loving kindness will be with him. He's talking to the previous context of David, his servant. Uh, and my name, his horn, will be exalted. And then verse 33, but I will not break off my loving kindness with him, nor deal falsely in my faithfulness. Again, all about David and his, his faithfulness to David. And then verse 49, you'll see, where are thy former loving kindness, O Lord, which thou didst swear to David in thy faithfulness? Okay, Psalm 89 is just filled with the faithfulness of God, not only by word, but by implication of who he is. And you'll see that more as we define it uh, in that way. So just kind of keeping your finger there, if you want to turn back to Deuteronomy, I want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4. I don't generally pull verses out of their context, but sometimes there are verses that just kind of stand out to you. Uh, And Deuteronomy 32, verse 4 is one of these verses and uh, probably the best thing for me to do would be to bring it in from verse 1. Um, as you recognize, perhaps, a heading there. This is a song of, of Moses. Give ear, O heavens, and let me speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Uh, let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as the droplets of fresh grass, as the showers on the herb. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect. Which, uh, by the way, just, I think of these things. I don't know why. Uh, You can slap me afterwards if you want. But coming into town, there's this flashing digital thing about about Castle Rock. And it says, uh, what does it say? The solid rock or something? Rock. Rock solid, yeah, the rock solid community. Okay, uh, well, our God is a rock solid God. Okay, so it just made me think of that. So, uh, the rock, His work is perfect, 
for all his ways are just. A God of what? Faithfulness. And without injustice. Means he's just. He's righteous and upright. Um, So again, just from Moses' lips, just reminding us. As a matter of fact, if you really want an interesting study, is go from Genesis to Revelation. Just look up the faithfulness of God. Uh, we're, we're, not, we're not even going to get to the surface of all that's there uh, on the faithfulness of God. Uh, you'll see that here in a moment. And then, you're familiar, but let's, uh, let's turn to Lamentations. Uh, the, the weeping prophet uh, over the people of Israel in Lamentations chapter 3. You'll recognize this if you, if you don't already have it memorized. Again, uh, popular uh, passage here, Lamentations chapter 3, beginning with verse uh, 22. Um, the, love, the Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, or again, His mercies never cease. Uh, his compassions never fail. You recognize that one? Uh, they are new every morning. Then it says, Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Where, where do we know that from? The hymn. The hymn. And I'll, I'll talk more about that here in a moment. Yeah, the hymn. Great is thy faithfulness. First uh, Corinthians, we don't look it up right now, but First Corinthians 1.9 also talks about uh, God's faithfulness. So the question is, how, how, how would you define, uh, how would you put any kind of explanation on this subject of faithfulness and the faithfulness of God. Here, here's how it's often defined. It's, it's one who is, uh, you can see um, their fidelity, you can see their loyalty, their uh, dependability, we might say, um, steadfast in allegiance. I mean, they're, they're not going to be moved. Um, firm adherence to promises. So in, in many respects, when we talk about the faithfulness of God, we talk about a God who's loyal to us. A God that's dependable. God's just not moving. He doesn't shift. He doesn't change. Uh, he's going to stay the same. Uh, he's going to adhere to every single promise. And I'll tell you why here in a moment. But uh, that's, that's how we define faithfulness. And, and what we want to look at as we look at faithfulness, then, we want to look at uh, if we're uh, image bearers of God himself, if we are, if we are, to live out our life based upon who he is as his children, then it would stand a reason that we ought to be people of faithfulness. And so we're going to see that as we move through that. But we have to start with the ground level, and that is that God himself is absolutely faithful. Okay, from beginning to end, as we'll note here. Uh, one theologian explains it this way. The word suggests constant and habitual actions, meaning here that God was reliable. There's another word. For God to violate this consistency of actions would be to violate his very nature. And I'm going to talk about that because I really believe that when you're talking about the character of God and you're talking about the character of God in the area of faithfulness, you have to understand he's reliable to his very nature because if he doesn't, he ceases to be God at that point. And uh, so we'll, we'll see that here in a moment. So the next subject I want to look at is faithfulness of God and his attributes. Because that, that really explains the whole aspect of who God is. Okay? Uh, how many of you are familiar with the name A.W. Tozer? Okay? He wrote, a, he wrote a number of books, but he wrote one that I come back to frequently. Matter of fact, I've used this book so much, it's a little paperback. 
I've used it so much, I have to hold it together with a rubber band. Uh, it's called the knowledge of the holy. And I actually taught in our home church you know, through that whole book in about, what was it, five weeks or something? I mean, we took like two or three of those. And I admit, when you look at it, he, he gets you thinking beyond your normal. I mean, he, he, he stretches your mind. Uh, it's, not, it's not in a sense using fancy big words. He does use a few of those. But it's just some good practical things about the character and nature of God. Um, and he does talk in there about uh, the faithfulness of God. But he makes a profound statement when it comes to this attribute of God. And, and I'm going to just kind of walk you through this. He says, and I quote, In studying any attribute, that is the attribute of God, uh, the essential oneness of all, or we might use the word unity, okay, the oneness and the unity of those attributes soon becomes apparent. In other words, they all are connected in a unified way. Uh, He says, we see, for instance, that if God is self-existent, which means what? If something's self-existent, it is... It's not created. It's not produced by anything, right? It's just been there, okay? So, if God is self-existent, he must also be self-sufficient. In other words, he cares himself. There's nobody that has to care for God. And if he has power, he being infinite, which means no beginning, no end, he must have all power. If he possesses knowledge, his infinitude assures us that he possesses all knowledge, okay? And that's the key word, is the word all. Similarly, his immutability, anybody know what we mean by immutability? It means he never changes. Okay, that's just a th- fancy theological word for God never changes. So his immutability, or the fact that he never changes, presupposes his faithfulness. Here's why. If God is unchanging, it follows that he could not be unfaithful since that then would require him to change. The moment God stops being faithful, and that's why I said earlier, then he ceases to be God because he is not consistent and reliable and dependable because you just never know, okay? Um, and so um, I think A.W. Tozer got it right. And if we, don't, if we don't remember anything else about what he said in that statement, that last one there is that, He's an unchangeable God, which really presupposes his faithfulness, his dependability. He's reliable because if he's unchanging, it follows he could not be unfaithful since it would require him to change. And we know he can't. Okay, so everything from Genesis to Revelation that God tells us is secure. It's it's not going to vary in any particular way. So that means I can be at peace and joyful in my God, who is loyal, who is reliable, and as James 1 says, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. God is permanent in who he is. That's why the song says, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. That's the nature of the faithfulness of God. I saw a sign once that said, you can trust God tomorrow because he was faithful yesterday. You can trust God tomorrow because he was faithful yesterday. I wish I could apply that every day because there are times, my wife will tell you, I'm awake at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning worrying, anxious about over something. And I'm not thinking about the God of yesterday who will take care of my tomorrows. 
but he does. So uh, that's the interesting part. So we, when we remember God's faithfulness, it's important that we make it our aim to speak also about the faithfulness of God to each generation. Uh, matter of fact, that's what uh, you'll notice in uh, Psalm 89, verse 1, to all generations. This is something that's, that's uh, specific for those who follow God. He says, uh, I will make known thy faithfulness with my mouth. That means I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about the faithfulness of God. Yeah, um, there's a number of characteristics of God I should talk about. You know, his love, his, his mercy, his grace. We'll talk about grace later in the morning service. Um, um, his um, all sorts of different things about him. Um, but one of the things we ought to be talking about is his faithfulness. That in a day and age, in our society, in our culture today, where you can't depend on anything, uh, everything's changing rapidly. I'm amazed at how many things have changed just in the last five years. You know, and you'd almost think you were in the twilight zone growing up what, as I did in the 50s. And you look at what, what you had in the 50s and what you have in 2022, and I'm thinking, what a shock. You know, I never would have believed it, but, you know, there it is. It's like we're living in a different land um, in that way. So we uh, can guarantee from God what's going on here in his faithfulness. So uh, I've got three passages here. Would somebody look these up and then we'll get into some principles. But would somebody look up Deuteronomy 7.9 and read that for me? Anybody want to do that? Okay, Debbie. Um, Psalms six thirty six five. Psalm thirty six five. All right. Thank you. Uh, Exodus thirty four five and seven. Okay, Daryl. Thank you. We'll just look at these three, and then we're going to look at some principles and uh, see things fleshed out. Then uh, from Psalm eighty nine, we'll come back to Psalm eighty nine here in a moment. So, Deuteronomy seven verse nine. Know therefore that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. All right, so what do we learn about the faithfulness of God uh, from Moses? That it goes out a long way. Keeps going, doesn't it? Keeps going. All generations. Uh, he never ceases. Um, and we can never say, well, he was much more faithful to this group. No, he's the same yesterday and today forever. He's the same God who's faithful. All right, Psalm 36, verse 5. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. All right. That's pretty pretty far, isn't it? Okay. Kind of an endless aspect to it. That includes about everything. That includes about everything. Yep. All righty. Exodus 34, 5 through 7. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgive, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren of the third and fourth generation. All right, so there's that whole generational thing there that 
that God's faithfulness stretches out. Notice it said to a th- to the thousands. So it's kind of an endless because you can't you can't put a number on it. Uh, that's God's faithfulness. Uh, and so when you read through Psalm eighty nine, you begin to see this over and over, um, and particularly in his relationship with David. I mean, you definitely see the promises fulfilled uh, in the life of David and his uh, descendants. Um, But over and over, he's reminding us of his faithfulness. So I go back to verse 8, O Lord, God of hosts, who is like thee, Almighty Lord, thy faithfulness surrounds thee. It's his his nature. But um, I don't think we really covered verse 5. Look at verse 5. And the heavens will praise thy wonders, O Lord, thy faithfulness also in the assembly of the holy ones. There needs to be that praise of God's uh, faithfulness. Now, I, when I look at this, I, there, there's so many different directions you can go with looking at the faithfulness of God through the scripture. So I kind of just narrowed it down to five principles. Uh, and your hand out there, uh, you have that. Uh, the first principle, I would say, in, in, in bringing it down to where we are today, uh, is to trust in God's faithfulness when life is difficult. Um, we, we all face difficulties and we face them in different varieties of ways. Some of it can be emotional, some of it can be physical, uh, spiritual, um, physical. There's all sorts of things we, we go through. Uh, I know that day by day, um, and just talking to people, even if it's just not my own life, but talking to others, uh, there is this struggle that goes on and we're not immune from it as those who know Christ as our savior, you know, we, we like to think that the old sin nature was eradicated. It's gone forever. I have, I'm, I'm, I'm living perfect now. Um, if, if you are, I want to know your secret. Uh, but we still struggle. It's just, that's the reality. It, we're physical. Paul said in uh, 2 Corinthians, we are decaying day by day. It's just the nature of our bodies. Uh, I know that my body is much more decayed now than it was 20 years ago. There are things I could do back then I can't do now. Uh, there are things if I tried to, tried to attempt doing what I did 20 years ago, I land in a hospital. So I just it doesn't work that way. I need to trust God. Uh, he is a God of faithfulness. He, if he's reliable, if he's dependable, that's his character that never changes. I need to, to trust that. And so let's look at Deuteronomy uh, 4. 31, Deuteronomy 4. We've learned a number of things as uh, Israel was urged over and over and over again to watch themselves, to be careful, to obey God's laws. And uh, when you come to verse uh, 31, um. I'm going to start with verse 25, okay? Because I want to come read to the, get to that. It's kind of like the punch. You know, let's lead up to the punch before we just jump into it. Verse 25, when you become the father of children and children's children, you know, the grandchildren and then eventually great-grandchildren and have remained long in the land and acted corruptly and make an idol in the form of anything and do that which is evil in sight of the Lord your God so as to provoke him to anger, um, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you shall surely perish quickly from the land 
where you are going over the Jordan to possess it. You shall not live uh, long on it. You shall be utterly destroyed. By the way, just let me hold a finger there and just say that Deuteronomy uh, is um, when the second law is being given back out again to a new generation. Okay? Uh, Mom and daddy and grandma and grandpa, they all died. They're, they're gone. They died in the wilderness. And so Moses is repeating uh, all of this stuff. And the Lord will scatter you, verse 27, among the peoples, and you should be left in few in number among the nations where the Lord shall drive you. And there you will serve gods, the work of man's hands, wood and stone, which neither uh, hear nor eat nor smell, which is almost a way of saying, uh, what a waste of your life. Uh, those are the gods you serve. Uh, but from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search with him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress... And all these things have come upon you in the latter days. You will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. For the Lord your God is a compassionate God. Isn't that great to know? That even with a rebellious, stubborn, stiff-necked people like Israel, God said, hey, uh, if you turn and come to me with all your heart, I, I'm, I'm a compassionate God. He will not fail you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant with your fathers which he swore to them. That's God's faithfulness. Uh, God says, uh, I'll not forget the covenant. Okay? I'll not forget the covenant I made with you. And then if you just go to the New Testament in 1 Peter chapter 4, and there were some real difficulties for, uh, for Israel over and over uh, in their lives. Um, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 19. And by implication, we could probably just spend all day just going through passages like James chapter 1 uh, in the trials and the difficulties we go through that God is testing and producing endurance in our life and many, many others, uh, especially First and Second Peter, which deal a lot with the area of suffering and difficulties uh, of life and persecutions we go through for standing for the faith. But First Peter chapter uh, 4 verse 19, therefore, let those also who suffer according to the will of God entrust their souls to a what? A faithful creator in doing what is right. And uh, he talks about, you know, um, what, what this looks like for the believer who, who actually gives his life back to God and says, God, it's yours, and I'm going to trust you. Uh, you're the creator. You're the faithful creator. If you did all of that um, and everything I've seen, I can count on you through the difficulties I go through, whatever they might look like. Um, and so we need to trust God in his faithfulness when life is difficult, and, and it will be. Um, I, I struggle with people that often say, just come to know Christ as your Savior, and you'll never have any more problems from then on out. I don't know what world they're living in, uh, but um, the nat and, and some people say, "Well, then, what difference does it make?" You know, uh, just, no, you know, the reality is we have a God who's faithful. Uh, he'll take us through that. You know, and you look at the opposite side of it, the person that doesn't know Christ, and all of the difficulties and the and the turmoil that they go through because they have no and there's no peace. You know. Um, I, I see that in our world today, that if there were one thing I would say this world does not have, 
and, and you can see it by the implication of everything they're doing to get to it, and that's they have no peace. They have no peace. And I have great peace. I said earlier I have great joy um, in knowing that God is faithful. Um, he'll sustain uh, me through whatever I go through uh, as I trust in him. So I think we just have to come back to that trust. Um, trust and obey for what there is no other way but to be happy in Jesus, or I'd say to be joyful in Jesus and to trust and obey. So that's first principle when it comes to God's faithfulness. We can, we can trust him because he's reliable. We can trust him because he's faithful. We can trust him because he, we can count on him. He's dependable uh, in that way. Second principle, I would say, is we really need to celebrate God's faithfulness to his promises. To his promises. Um, so I'm going to hand out some scriptures again here that uh, talk about God's promises. From, from Genesis to Revelation, God has made promise after promise after promise. Matter of fact, um, there are hundreds and hundreds of promises that have already been fulfilled. Um, and not one of them, not one single promise uh, has not been fulfilled. Because again, if, the, if one promise... God negated on any one promise. That way he would forfeit his nature and his character. And then we can't, we can't trust him. So we go back to number one, we've got to trust God. Why? Because of his promises that he's fulfilled. All right? Uh, somebody, how about First Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24? To the New Testament church, he writes. Okay, thank you. Uh, let's see. Second Thessalonians 3, 3. Uh, let's go to the back. And uh, let's see, uh, 2 Timothy 2.13, one of my favorites. All right. Debbie, uh, Hebrews 10.23. All right, Daryl. And 11.11 and Numbers 23.19 and Titus 1.2, all are in similar vein to Hebrews 10.23. So let's go 1 Corinthians 10.14. One more. Thank you, Catherine, for volunteering for that one. 1 Corinthians 10, 14. Okay, celebrating God's faithfulness, rejoicing, you know, being glad and, uh, and, and telling. You know, Psalm 89 says we need to be talking uh, about the, the faithfulness of our God. Okay, so 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. So if God called us uh, to himself, uh, and I believe he's talking about salvation there, he's going to fulfill it, and because he's faithful to it. In other words, he, he's not going to call us um, and then leave us hanging somewhere down line. I think that's one of the assurances of salvation is that God cares enough to fulfill his promise to that. Second Thessalonians 3.3. 3. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Okay. That right there gives you a specific. How is God going to be faithful to us as his children? He's going to guard us from who? The from the evil one. Yeah. yeah. I think it's in 1 John, he says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He will, he will guard, he will protect us from the evil one. 
Okay, now that doesn't mean that we just take Satan lightly, because that's the evil one I believe he's talking about. Um, but we need to, that assurance that there's nothing he can do that's going to be outside of the handwork of God. He'll protect us from the evil one. Okay, so that's his promise, because he's faithful. Okay, all right. Second uh, Timothy 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. All right. Now, I did look up. There's different classes for the word if in the Greek language. I didn't look this one up. But I could suppose that he's probably saying if and we will be faithless, because there are times we are going to slip, and we're, we're just not going to trust. We're not going to be as reliable as he is. But the one assurance that we have is that opposite. He will always be faithful to us. Um, Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. All right. We don't have to waver. We can keep that assurance and strong, steadfast movement toward God because he is. And the same is true with uh, the other passages there, uh, Hebrews 11, 11, Numbers 23, 19, and Titus 1, 2. So 1 Corinthians 10, 14, pretty familiar passage. Catherine. 1 Corinthians 10, 14. Yep. Is that about the I'm temptation? that's not the right one. It might be 13. No temptation is ever Yes. Should be thirteen. It's one of those interesting passages because the word temptation there can also be the word testing, same Greek word. It just depends on the context as to what you know. So, But the reality is whether we're talking about the testings we go through or the temptations we go through, what do we learn about uh, our lives with God and his faithfulness? We can trust him, right? We're never going to go to a point where uh, we're on our own. You know, he will always be faithful to take us through that, whatever it might look like. So um, I tend to lean more toward the testing aspect of there's no testing, but temptations, you know, can be a test to us. Um, but God never tempts us, according to the book of James. So uh, whatever we're going through, he's going to be faithful uh, on the other end of that. So, so we celebrate God's faithfulness to his promises, and there are many. So... Um, Nobody could ever come and say, God has let us down in this way. Um, if, if that's true, it's only because of our imagination that he's done it, not because he has. Okay. All right, number three. Um, we have about three minutes here. Remember God's faithfulness to Israel. Okay. There's a lot of talk about Israel today. Uh, there's a lot of rethinking um, God, uh, Israel. A lot of things like with replacement theology that the church is now Israel, which I don't agree with. But uh, we need to remember God's faithfulness to Israel it is all over the place in the Bible. Okay, And, and I'm just going to state, you can see that in Micah 7.20, Joshua 21. But the reality is when, you, when you're reading the scriptures, anything that has to do with God and his relationship with Israel and his promises to Israel... 
uh, from them coming back to the land to them uh, having the Davidic throne where the Messiah will sit on that throne during the kingdom. Uh, God is faithful to Israel. Um, and uh, we do well to remember that because I think there's so many people that are uh, moving away from that. Um, and God has never once forsaken Israel. Uh, never has. Nations have. The U.S. is kind of, we've been so strong with Israel for years, but now we're kind of wavering more uh, in that respect. So just remember, God's faithfulness to Israel. Uh, and then um, uh, rejoice in God's faithfulness and salvation. First John 1 John 1.9, you know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Um, Proverbs 16.6 talks about a similar aspect. But over and over, as you look at God's saving grace, you see his faithfulness. And uh, we rejoice over what he's done for us. And then lastly, we need to live out God's faithfulness day by day. Uh, live out his faithfulness day to day. Uh, a lot of different uh, passages there. Um, I've got some there in the area of, of what I call worship. I wish I had time just to explore the whole aspect of, of worship and God's faithfulness to us. Um, it's really to that uh, that the author goes back in 89 verse 8 and just talks about faithfulness surrounds him. Uh, in his presence, uh, he is, is a faithful God and is recognized that he's, he's faithful and it draws it. Perhaps that's why A.W. Tozer again wrote, Worship is pure or base as a worshiper entertains, entertains higher Lord thoughts about God. What our thoughts are about God as a faithful, loving, holy, righteous God uh, helps in our aspect of worship. Matter of fact, uh, I think there's a lot of stuff today that's called worship that is really not taking into account the righteous, holy nature of God. Uh, the faithfulness of God. That's why I love to sing those things that draw us to the throne. Matter of fact, I'm getting more and, and more, I said, less and less impressed with songs that are about me and not about him. I think there's an aspect that you have to have both at times and there's a balance, you know, uh, because of our lives. But if everything's just concentrated on me, 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 you know, where is the worship of the faithfulness and the holiness and the righteousness of God? Uh, we need to do that. I'm going to close with a, a paragraph. I think I have it there for you. I don't know if you recognize the name of Ray Steadman. He's been around uh, a number of years. But Ray Steadman said, All Christians rest upon the faithfulness of God. Our unchangeable God who never falters, never fails in his promises, the very foundation of our faith and the ground of our security. That is what gives stability and strength to our faith. We can count on it. And I guess a, just a good way to wrap up the faithfulness of God. Uh, he is reliable. He is dependable. Uh, he is uh, in his nature. He is one that uh, is completely uh, trustworthy. And uh, we can count on that. Uh, that becomes the ground of our security. Uh, is knowing the faithfulness of God. He will never, ever, ever let us down. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just uh, thank you this morning for your faithfulness to us. Uh, we at times are unfaithful to you. We, we falter. We, uh, we make mistakes. Uh, we, uh, we trust in ourselves. We, uh, we rely too much on circumstances and situations. Um, we sometimes fret over those 
situations of life, uh, sometimes to the point where we don't take into account uh, who you are, how you've taken care of us, how you have rescued us, how you have um, let us uh, come through situations of life that we might trust you better. So I do pray, Father, that uh, wherever we are in our lives, that we would trust you even more in the days ahead as we uh, continue to look around to a, a world that's shattering, uh, faltering, uh, things you can't count on anymore. Uh, the one thing we know to be true and absolute is that you are a God of faithfulness. And we just uh, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.